Welcome back to The Reeducation. In this monologue-only episode, I look at the viral story of TikTok influencers sharing their epiphany that maybe Osama bin Laden had a point. So I just read a letter to America and I will never look at life the same. I will never look at this country the same. I will never. I... This letter is so well written and so reasonably structured um, in an argument. Like you got to present your findings. You got to, you know, you got to state your cause, all that. Like everything he said was valid. We just heard from two of many TikTok influencers who earlier this month discovered Osama bin Laden's second letter to America that explained why Al-Qaeda hijacked airplanes and flew them into the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. It was Israel. It was U.S. foreign policy. The sanctions on Iraq. Blah, blah, blah. And what was strange was how the TikTokers all seemed to be reading from the same sheet. Stop what you're doing. I'm experiencing an existential crisis. Everything I thought about this was wrong. I need to process this breakthrough with others. Please leave a comment and tell me how you are experiencing this incredible breakthrough. All right, we get it. Now, it's worth observing that all of these reaction videos went viral at around the same time, particularly since TikTok is owned by a Chinese company, ByteDance, which can turn the knobs on what content is seen by millions and millions of TikTok users all around the world. And at a moment when China is aligned with Russia and Iran, who support Hamas in the current war in Gaza, we would be naive to think it's just a coincidence, although I should say we don't necessarily have any proof at this point. But leaving all of that aside, these videos tell us something maybe about the state of our culture in 2023. At least that has been the response from a number of people who have commented on this. It confirms, you could say, an unpleasant truth illuminated in the days following the atrocities of October 7. There's at least a segment of our society willing to excuse terrorism as a response to crimes committed by its victims. And that was the main substance of the Bin Laden letter, which has enthralled all these teens and 20-somethings. It was written more than a year after the 9-11 attacks. Its references to Israel's treatment of Palestinians and U.S. foreign policy all over the world were absent from bin Laden's first message after 9-11. And that first message in a video uh, released on November 3rd, 2001, focused on a more enduring concern for al-Qaeda, the fall of the Ottoman Caliphate in Turkey. Bin Laden said in that, following World War I, which ended more than 83 years ago, the whole Islamic world fell under the Crusader banner, end quote. And I guess you could say that makes sense in the twisted ideology of Al-Qaeda because Al-Qaeda's project has been to restore this lost Islamic empire. In this context, Israel's war against the Palestinians is a footnote. The real geopolitical villains for these fanatics were Woodrow Wilson and the founder of modern Turkey, Kemal Ataturk. Now, bin Laden's second letter to America followed a more familiar script that one might find in a graduate seminar on American statecraft or Middle East studies, it was likely not even written by bin Laden, but rather someone named Adam Gadon, an American convert to Islam who traveled to Pakistan in the late 1990s and soon became a senior advisor to bin Laden. He was a musician. He was a real seeker. His paternal grandfather, by the way, was Jewish. And in, you know, an identity crisis that many people were experiencing in the 1990s, he found jihadist Islam. And 
that was in many ways the antidote to his comfortable and meaningless life in California. Okay, so Adam Gadon, also known as Azam the American, was responding to criticism from within the Muslim world that al-Qaeda had paid relatively little attention to the plight of Palestinians. And we can't know this for sure at this point because Gadon was killed in 2015 in a drone strike, and that was four years after a team of U.S. special operators shot his boss in the face at that compound in Abbottabad. Regardless, the TikTok resurrection of Gadon's letter has been a moment for intergenerational contempt. Gen Xers like myself and the baby boomers who lived through the horror of 9-11 are gobsmacked that anyone would ever say that this kind of terrorism was justified. What's wrong with Gen Z? No one would have said such a thing 20 years ago. Or would they? Well, the reason I'm focusing the monologue on bin Laden's letter is because I lived through 9-11, and I can tell you that lots of people made this chickens coming home to roost argument, even as the towers were still smoldering. So we're listening to a September 29th, 2001 protest in Washington from Act Now to Stop Racism and End War, better known as the Answer Coalition. These guys are still around today, assuring us that Hamas mass murderers and rapists are martyrs and that their attack was a response to a brutal occupation of a piece of land that Israel vacated in 2005. And it was not just the activists after 9-11 who sought to explain away the terror of that day. Here is a really great comedian, David Cross, who I think has politics which are, you know, stupid and sometimes sinister. But he's making actually what I consider to be a pretty good joke. So listen to this. I don't, I don't think uh, um, Osama bin Laden sent those planes in uh, uh, to attack us because he hated our freedom. I think he did it because uh, of our support for Israel and our ties with the Saudi family and all our military bases in Saudi Arabia. You know why I think that? Because that's what he fucking said. So that was Cross, and, and there were, of course, many other intellectuals as well. Sam Husseini is a gadfly writer. He's been a spokesman for various kinds of organizations in the past. Wrote this following 9-11. Quote, The fascists like bin Laden could not get volunteers to stuff envelopes if Israel had withdrawn from Jerusalem like it was supposed to, and the U.S. stopped the sanctions and the bombing on Iraq. End quote. And, of course, this list would not be complete without Noam Chomsky, who on December 7th, 2001, was speaking at the Path to Peace, Justice, and Security Conference at Tufts University. Have a listen. Uh, in the civilian toll, the atrocities of September 11th are far from unusual uh, in the annals of violence that falls short of war. All too many examples. For example, the, uh, the number of people killed on September 11th is approximately the same as the monthly toll of uh, Iraqi children killed uh, as a result of the sanctions been going on for 10 years. Uh, the number killed on September 11th is just a fraction of the uh, uh, civilian toll of the uh, one truly uncontroversial case of international terrorism in the recent years, namely the U.S. attack against Nicaragua. So this was the predominant response to 9-11 from many in the sort of intellectual left. Listen to our episode from a year ago on Christopher Hitchens to get more details about this moment. But we should say, you know, in, in summary, Hitch took on the apologists in the pages of the nation 
And the point is that there was always this kind of constituency in America that sought to explain away the evils of 9-11 and other acts of terrorism. And shortly after, Hitch sort of wrote a series of these columns attacking Chomsky, Husseini, and others. Well, he left the nation and went to Slate. So in the wake of the attacks, Chomsky, Husseini, David Cross, they end up finding themselves in a fairly small minority. You have to remember, in the House after 9-11, in the 914 resolution, which kind of created the, the initial legal framework for what we know as the war on terror, there was only one member of Congress, Barbara Lee, who voted against it. So that was where America was after the attack, as one would expect. Most Americans wanted vengeance and security as most Jews and Israelis today. So when these emotions are running very high, and they were running very high, some legitimate points were taken out of context. Let's be fair. On Politically Incorrect, the show that once followed this one, he made this infamous comment less than a week after 9-11. We have been the cowards lobbing cruise missiles from 2,000 miles away. Absolutely. That's cowardly. That, that is a Staying family. in the airplane yes. when it hits the building. Say what family. you want about it, not you cowardly. Well, that was Bill Maher, who today occupies a very different place in the culture than he did after 2001. Today, Bill Maher is the guy who skewers the woke on his HBO show, Real Time and reminds his guests and audience of the bloodlust of Muslim fanatics, among other things. After 2001, Bill Maher was briefly a cause celeb for the context crowd. This was in part because that fairly innocuous insight that hijacking commercial airplanes full of people and turning them into guided missiles takes some physical carriage, that true statement ended up getting Bill Maher briefly canceled. It also caught the attention of the George W. Bush White House. I'm aware of the press reports about what he said. I have not seen the actual transcript of the show itself, but assuming the press reports are right, it, it's, it's a terrible thing to say. And, and, and it's, it's unfortunate, and that's why there was an earlier question about has the president said anything to people in his own party. Uh, they're reminders to all Americans that they need to, to watch what they say, watch what they do, and this is not a time for remarks like that. There never is. So those remarks, quote, the people need to watch what they say, well, it launched a thousand columns. In a time of war, it's more important than ever to defend the free speech rights of people with unpopular opinions. That is true, and I believe that. But we should say the Bush White House was never the caricatured censors that the left had imagined. Bill Maher ended up getting an even better show on HBO. Chomsky continued to write books and give speeches after the Dixie Chicks criticized Bush in 2003 for the Iraq War and faced a backlash from Republican fans. They were embraced by the half of the country that hated the president as well. But the point here is that unpleasant speech that sought to put 9-11 in context or justify the attacks was not suppressed during the war on terror. Academics could still publish papers, comedians could still make jokes, talk show hosts could still host them. And with the rise of the internet, a new fringe movement to deny Al-Qaeda's authorship altogether of 9-11 was born. All they talk about is terrorism on television. They tell you to listen, but they don't really tell you their mission. They funded Al-Qaeda, and now they blame the Muslim religion. Even though Bin Laden was a CIA tactician, they gave him billions of dollars, and they funded his purpose. Fahrenheit 9-11, that's just scratching the surface. So we're listening now to Immortal Technique's 2005 single, Bush Brought Down the Towers. It features a guest appearance from one of the great rappers of this era, most deaf. And as the title suggests, this song does not believe the official story. It reminds me of some of the idiocy we see today of people who blame the IDF response to October 7 for the killings GoPro'd by Hamas. In those years after 9-11, a segment of Americans became what we might call 9-11 truthers. 
You wouldn't find them at well-heeled think tanks in Washington or sharing their opinions on the Sunday chat shows. They were gatekept, if you will. But they would blog, and they had a few conferences, and at Thanksgiving in the 2000s and 2010s, a relative might hand you a copy of one of the three loose change documentaries, claim the explosion caused by the airplanes into the Twin Towers did not generate enough heat to melt the steel beams. Here is Bill Maher again, now on HBO with Christopher Hitchens sparring with Most Def on who really did 9-11. In another part of the interview, I should say, Hitch calls him Mr. Definitely. Cuba. Okay, there have been lots of crimes that have been leveled against people, with, which they didn't do. And I come from a community where that shit happens right. routinely. Maybe you don't live in that community. You haven't heard of... Wait, but let me finish. Wa- let, just, let me finish. You, I haven't, let me start. I, you haven't watched a Bin Laden video. You've never right. watched... You're telling me... It's been right. it is. I don't speak Arabic. I don't speak Arabic, and I don't. I don't trust the media, so I don't just trust have, everything that comes I think, over the I airways. Think I, see, I, I say know again. exactly where you're coming from now. And you haven't watched one. You haven't watched. Uh, no, he's saying he press. doesn't believe the translation. I don't believe the translation. I don't speak Arabic. All I ask is simple questions. Watch it like me with an Arab-speaking friend. Look at Look at a decent translation. You're telling me all this is new to you. You don't know or believe any of it, Mr. Hitchens. What I said as I asked the question is what was. Al Qaeda's political well, objective. What was their this, aim? And this, has it ever been clearly defined? That's yeah. it. You've already yes. told me that you wouldn't take it just from me. Yes. Okay. No, I wouldn't. I why wouldn't you just take it from of, just anybody. You, of, you wouldn't just take this any information from me. Do a bit of work on your own account. Sure. I do do work on my own account. Okay, so it's worth going back to the beginning of this monologue and the revival of Bin Laden's second letter on TikTok. In response to the story, after it went viral, the Guardian newspaper, the same newspaper, that published the top-secret NSA documents stolen by Edward Stoughton, removed this page from its website. I mean, you can still find it on the Wayback Machine. Calls to ban TikTok in America grew louder. The response to a few empty-headed Zoomers gushing about al-Qaeda propaganda for many was to demand that others be protected from their wrong think. We see the same instinct on campus today with the bans of loathsome organizations that have shown solidarity with Hamas after October 7. To be sure, the pro-Hamas crowd indulged this same censorious instinct when its activists ripped down the posters of kidnapped children. It's a repeat of the playbook that we saw during COVID in the 2020 election. Some ideas and some speech are just too dangerous to allow to spread unfettered. And here my hope is that we can learn from what actually happened after 2001. The 9-11 apologists, the 9-11 deniers, were not censored. We did not really stop the spread. Nonetheless, their ideas failed to attract more than a fringe. This bad speech was defeated by better speech. Popular mechanics, for example, did yeoman's work taking on the 9-11 truthers in an issue, an entire issue, I should say, devoted to debunking their junk science. Christopher Hitchens, he skewered Chomsky in The Nation magazine. Bill Maher came back with real time on HBO and used that platform often to remind Americans of al-Qaeda's illiberalism. Our republic was stronger for it. It's something to keep in mind. With social media, the most extreme voices are often the loudest. But that doesn't mean that people who encounter an influencer explaining that maybe bin Laden had a point will be persuaded. With the benefit of hindsight, we know that agitation of the useful stooges and the masochistic analysis of academics did not weaken our country's resolve to destroy the terrorists responsible for 9-11. Bin Laden is dead. America survived. And Noam Chomsky is still free to say our country is no better than the terrorists who attacked us. 
So we pray to Allah with all of our might until those big U.S. jets came flying in one night. And they dropped little bombs all over their holy land. Man, you should have seen them run like rabbits they ran the Taliban. Do you know someday soon we're both going to saddle up and it'll be right camel ride. My old little SUV here with me just smiling right by my side. We should do just fine out around Palestine or maybe Turkmenistan. We'll bid a Farah do and flip a couple fingers to the Taliban. We'll bid a Farah do and give a big boner to the Taliban. This has been The Re-Education with Eli Lake, a nebulous production. Please find us wherever you find your podcasts. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star review. It helps other people find the show and makes us feel really good about what we're doing.